Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to Zoli's Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James, it is another gray, ugly day in Toronto. But life is is okay. We're grinding through. Are you grinding? Oh, baby, I'm grinding. Oh, baby, I didn't even know it was gray. I didn't even look outside today. I usually get out of bed, I got the curtains drawn, and then uh, get to work. Go into my little cubby hole here in my office and um, drink some tea and, and then I'm ready to go, I'm ready to record. You're an orange Pico in the morning, right? A little milk? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm switching up, but it's real gray. Oh. I, I've, got, I've, got two, I've got two big boxes of each and uh, there's a, there's a, it's one of my big debates of the day. What, what kind am I going with today? Do you know who's a big Earl Grey connoisseur is is Mark Masters. He travels with, I believe it's the the Twinnings Earl Grey, just to make mm-hmm. sure he's covered. Like he, yeah, he loves his Earl Grey it's, tea. We, we can be in a bar in the U.S. somewhere after a game at like one o'clock in the morning, and Masters is there ordering some Earl Grey, and we can, you know, can be like in a in a club in Nashville or something, and he's trying to find a cup of tea. So it's. Uh, <laughs> do you remember actually people didn't know. James did you remember the time we met I believe it was at the Stone Lion on, on Queen it was like a sunny day we sat on the patio I think it was you me Chris and Mark and we obviously ordered beers and Mark ordered a tea they had to, they had to like scramble to they're like, like what find the one tea you bag, yeah. Ice tea? No, 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 no. A pot, not ice. A tea. And it was hot. It was so hot. Yeah, we were, we're, out, we're like in the sun on the patio. Yeah, that's a great patio for when uh, if patios ever exist again. Good, good spot too. Um, obviously, we're not here to talk about Earl Grey tea, although we could we could do a whole tea segment. We're big fans. I did. I did see a movie. I did see a movie. I want to talk about, but we can do that later. Oh, excellent. So that, okay, that can be a teaser for later yeah like a current movie that was 
nominated for a couple Oscars. Oh, okay. I like that. All right. Well, that's a, a nice tease. Uh, we're going to talk about Matthews and Marner. Obviously, Matthews is just on a ridiculous run. Um, he's been on a ridiculous run all season, so I'm not sure it's like breaking, but it, that the fact that it's continuing, obviously, is significant. We'll, we'll get into the Nick Foligno injury. We don't know at this point, you know, how serious it is, but the ramifications, if he is out a bit. Uh, Jack Campbell continues to play well. He is now, what is he, James, 15-3-1 or 15-2-2, is that right? I haven't looked it up. I'm just trying to recall. Is it 16-2-2? I think it's 15-2-2. Yeah. With a 9-25. His save percentage went down two points with the the loss to Montreal. Well, so we'll we'll get into what, you know, his reemergence means and Frederick Anderson situation. Uh, I want to talk about Rasmus Sandin, obviously. Uh, He has come on in the last couple weeks. And then I, I think we should get into what the bottom of the lineup or the lineup in general is shaping up to look like for game one of the playoffs. But let's start um, with Matthews and, and to a lesser degree, Marner. I think what's interesting about them is, is how much better they continue to get um, their chemistry together, their impact defensively. Obviously Matthews is scoring every game. It, it, it's not like it seems like he is scoring every game. Uh, what's interesting to you about the ascent i guess in the last year and and especially the last few months how much of an asterisk do you do you think what mcdavid's doing you know watching mcdavid again last night what he had four points again last night watching what mcdavid's doing what 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 matthews is doing what marner's doing we've talked about the division in the context of you know is at least record real or you know like how much does it matter etc etc but you know i think in terms of these goal and point totals that we haven't seen in a long time and that we might not see again for a while. I think it's a fair question how much the division is playing into this. And well, welcome to the club, James. Welcome. It's nice to have you. No, no, no. It's not necessarily that the division is extremely bad. It's just not extremely good. Well, it's, it's, it's how it's weaker than the other divisions. Yeah. You know, like if you look at, you know, save percentage is a, is a lot lower in that division. So there are more goals. And I know some of the folks that look at like the analytics and stuff like that say that the Canadian division has weaker defense. You know, they're allowing more chances. And I mean, you can look at the personnel. It's, it's, it's the true. Goals. The Canadian teams wait more offensively than defensively basically is what it looks like. So, and we haven't had a season where you only play in your own division before. So yeah, if there are imbalances in the way that teams are constructed, then it could lead to it being more high scoring. And if you multiply that over a full season, that manifests itself in, in players getting more goals and points. So I, I don't, I, I don't know how we're supposed to look at this, you know, in a historical context, maybe Dom or, or someone, one of our stats people at the athletic can kind of adjust for, just for the weirdness of the season or something. But um, so, I, you know, I, I don't think the Leafs record is, is false. Um, I mean, they're, they're only, they only have the sixth best record in the NHL. It's not like they're in first place by a mile or anything like that. But I just wonder if historically we'll look back at Austin Matthews winning the goal scoring crown by 10 or whatever. And McDavid, I mean, McDavid is 18 points ahead of second place and second place is his teammate. He's 26 points ahead of, of the next player, the third place player, Nathan McKinnon. 26. And it's only been 50 games. Okay, well, a few things on that. Let me see something here. 
I believe he's got like well over 30 power play points. So that's like, that's one thing that that's something in the, in this small schedule. If you look James, like the top 10 teams goals for the Leafs are fifth. The Oilers are ninth, but I mean, you go through the teams, how many teams would you say in the division have a really good goalie? One, um, one. Markstrom's supposed to be supposed to be. Hellebuck is one. Well, wasn't Markstrom had a huge year last year? Didn't he get like Vesna votes yeah. and stuff like that? I mean, Demko had a pretty pretty good year last year. Um, last year, Ottawa obviously not not Ottawa not good goaltending. Okay, so that um, but, so that's one thing, James. So you're you're just pointing to this year, though. So yeah, because we're in like, this it year. Could be, it could, it could be that these teams aren't good defensively. Well, I mean, I okay, so that's my follow-up question. How many of these teams have really good defenses? Um, Montreal, probably, maybe Calgary. Even Montreal, I mean, they're kind of, their D's kind of... Overrated? They're, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. I mean, who do you love there? 36-year-old Shea Weber? Your boy, Jeff Petrie. Joel, Joel Edmondson? I like, I like Jeff Petrie. That's true. Yeah. Romanov is a, is a good player, too. And so that's the thing. Like, it's, it's like, like you can look at... But... but but my counter is like, you can only play the teams you play. And this is the schedule this year. Like, I think it's a factor, but the, my, my other thing with Matthews is go look at like his last, whatever games last year, he was on like a 60 goal pace last year for most of the year. Like, it's not like this is just a fluke and he's just beating these, like he's, yes, he's taking advantage of, of some weaker teams for sure. And, and same with McDavid. But they were doing; they've been doing the same thing in, in past years against the rest of the league. Like that's to me, that's why it doesn't feel fluky for those guys. Matthew, well, yeah, I know. I, I just wonder, like, if there's like a, like I said, like an adjustment or something for this season. I mean, Matthews was on pace for 55 goals over 82 games last year, and this year he's at I think 67. I think is is what the number is. So that's there's a pretty pretty big difference between 67 and 55, and. Someone said to me the other day, and I think this will probably be in, in a story I work on next next week, that it's almost to, to have to be playing against the same teams and defenses and goalies and still being able to score all the time is interesting because you think you'd be able to key on these players and stop them. You think you but, I, I you know, I think that like how are you supposed to learn Matthew's tendencies when he scores? And, you, you know, you had the tweet about the different kinds of goals. How are you supposed to? Yeah shut him down and, and know his tendencies if, if, you know, he can just deflect a goal. Like, you're expecting him to be, you know, out at, at the, the dot on the circle and firing a wrist shot, and then he just is in front of the net deflecting a puck in. I mean, it's, you, you can't stop every kind of shot. So I think, you know, one of the one of the stories of this season, I think, for Matthews is going to be his, his versatility with the way he scores goals. Well, I mean, think of some of the great goal scorers in the last, whatever, years. It's kind of like not one shot, but like Ovechkin is known for that that one blast on the power play. Stamkos, it was the one timer when he scored sixty. Matthews just scores and like like you're talking about in all these different ways, and he keeps expanding it. Like I had noticed that that the wraparound was starting to become like a thing where that he was trying and he was scoring on. He was getting dangerous looks, and and I think the Keith thing is part of this too, James. Like I just pulled it up. Uh, after Keith took over last year, Matthews was scoring at a 58 goal pace. So part of that is is he started playing with Marner. Um, well, he yeah, 
He dialed up his ice time too. Dialed up his ice time. So like all those things matter. I love wraparound goals. They're, they're one of my, they're one of my guilty pleasures. Uh-huh. I, I wonder if, I wonder if anyone's created a YouTube video that's just wraparound goals because I could watch that one night. That one that Joe Thornton scored was that thing of beauty. I love that goal. Wraparound goals, I think, have the lowest percentage chance of going in. Like, I think the save percentage on them is, like, off the charts. It's really, really difficult to score on them, so they're not really attempted that much. But So if you can pull it off, it, it, it makes the goalie look silly. And it's if, if, if you've played hockey, it's really hard to do. You know, Joe Thornton's so big that he just kind of like wrapped his, he's like an octopus wrapping himself around the net and putting that one in. It was amazing. Well, and, and so is Matthews. Matthews is 6'4", six, 6'4", four, six, four, what is the, the official weight this year? 210? Is it low? It's lower, right? 212? Whatever the hell it is? Yeah, he's not 6'4". He's like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, and then, and yeah, and he dropped his weight down from 225 to 210. But he's still like a physical specimen. He's big man like i wonder what matthew's wingspan is like he's just his proportions are he's he's very big and powerful like he's a lot bigger than whatever his dimensions say one of the things that i think is interesting and has nothing to do with his goal scoring or not nothing but not much it's crazy how easily he takes the puck in the defensive zone like he just comes in takes it and he's gone like it's not even it's really interesting to watch like it's it's positioning it's stick positioning it's like Anyway, he's always been um, really good in those like those battles with his stick. Like, remember, even in his first year, he had like a lot of kind of datsuk like yeah. takeaway abilities, and I think he's just applied that more to down low in the D zone than uh, you know. He, he was always doing that in the neutral zone and the offensive zone, and now we're you remember like the famous one is his first NHL game when he takes it away from Eric Carlson along the boards, right, and scores that goal. Oh like, yeah. That was, like that was uh, that was a welcome to the NHL moment, and um, he's he's kept expanding on on some of those skills. Well, the other part of it is Marner is uh, what is he? Is he still third in the league in scoring? I didn't check it this morning. Whatever, he's top five. He uh, he is actually fourth. He's you know, fourth. McDavid, Drysdale, McKinnon, and Marner is one behind McKinnon now. Who McKinnon is having an awesome year. There's some awesome years yes. outside the Canada division. We should talk about Marchand. Uh, Crosby's having a good year. Uh, Mark Stone with the with Vegas is having a good year. Uh, Panarin was having a good year until Tom Wilson smashed his face into the ice last night. Panarin's probably the most underrated player, I'd say, going. I mean, he was nominated for the Hart last year, so I guess he's not underrated. I'm pretty sure I had him first place for the Hart last year, if I remember correctly. Good. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how many first place votes he got, but he had a monster year last year. If you look at what he did and what the rest of his team did, it was it was like completely night and day uh, between. You know, I think they're the best choices for the heart last year were probably McKinnon and Panarin, and I had I think I had Panarin one and McKinnon two. Although I'd have to double check. I don't think this year anyone is going to get a second uh, first place vote other than McDavid. Like you'd have to be. You'd have to be on some kind of Kool-Aid or something not to give it to McDavid this year. I still think McDavid should have won it last year. I, th- I think it's kind of nuts that he's won one MVP. Like, you can tell me Drysaddle had more points. The best player and most important player on their team was McDavid. But anyway, well, I wanted to talk about actually Marner. The, cri- or- the, the, the criticism of McDavid last year was actually defensive play and what was happening. Like, they were allowing a lot last year. And I, that, that was really kind of the knock against him last season. That he has yeah, it seemed a little inflated up. for me. Yeah. Anyway, Marner, um, 
I think there's probably a tendency to say, well, he's playing with, with Matthews and, and there might be like, there's some of that, um, like some of these chances he scores on, but he creates so many opportunities for Matthews that Matthews wouldn't get. Otherwise, like I always really liked watching Matthews play with Neilander. I thought that there was like a really interesting connection there, but, but Marner's just on a, even a different level as a passer than Neilander. Um, Neilander really sees the ice well, but like Marner just finds opportunities uh, for Matthews and, and even Marner this year is scoring. Like he's like top five in the league and five on five goals. The last time I checked it, I, I just think his season inevitably is going to get overlooked just because Matthews is just having like this insane season. Um, but this is kind of what we talked about at the time, like with the contract and why I always felt that the contract was going to be fine is because like his trajectory was this, like he was pointed towards being one of the top scorers in the league. And, and that's kind of, and, and, and all the other stuff, like he's a good penalty killer, good defensively. Like, I just think he's rounding into like one of the better players in the league, which is what I thought he would become. And he might be, he might be nominated for the selfie. Like he, he's got a legit chance to be, you know, certainly one of the top 10, if not top five guys for that one. So um, it's interesting. I, you know, Dom had a great piece. I want to say around the middle of the season, talking about the best duo performances in NHL history or recent NHL history or whatever it was. And Matthews and Marner was on the list. I think they were, I think they were like 18th out of 20 or something like that. Like they would, they weren't, it wasn't like, but and it's, I don't want to get into like a big Keith versus Babcock debate, but th- that, that's one of the things that Babcock did not want to do because he wanted to, uh, you know, spread the wealth on his lines and have different line drivers on different lines. But there's something to be said for when the chemistry is that good and you can be that dominant. And, you know, I'm trying, what's, what's another example, recent example of like just unbelievable, like you look around the league at, at other duos and a lot of the time, it, a lot of the time, Jonas, it's it's like Crosby Malkin. It's like where they're they're the same position and they're on different lines. Like Chicago, they played Taves and Kane on different lines a lot of the time. Um, well, there's James, there's there's Marshan, Bergeron, and Pasternak. That's obviously three guys, three yeah. all stars. There, that's, that's a trio. trio. Right? The Colorado thing is is a trio with with McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog. Landeskog's having a hell of a year, eh? Like I like he's a guy that you don't see anyone talking about. And I was looking at his numbers, it's like wow, like he's not always been a guy that's produced that much. Yeah, so it, like in a lot of cases, it's it's lines, but this this was the thing that that never made sense with what you're talking about with Babcock. He never gave it the chance to to see what it was. Like he would put them together for like a period or two periods, and and nothing would happen. He'd be like, yeah, he'd be like, Whoa. no, 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 nothing would happen, and he'd be like, well, see, I gave it a try, moving on. And Keith basically said, you know what? I'm just going to like, let this go. I'm going to, I'm going to give it time. I'm going to see what happens. And he gave it weeks and weeks and weeks. The players asked to do it. Don't you? No. If you you remember what happened, it was that game against Carolina. Do you remember that, that next generation game? Do you remember this afternoon game? Right. He put them together. Yeah. It was like a, an yeah. insane game. I think it was. Wasn't it eight to six? It was. And like those two took off in the third period, I believe. And then he just let it roll. And and obviously the, the side part of that was Tavares played with Neilander and those guys kind of figured something out and, and we are where we are, but it's, it's something. Jonas, do you think uh, with, with what Matthews and Meyer are doing, do you think that we're writing about them enough? Are we writing about them too much? Should we be looking for more stories about what they're doing? It's one of those things like what they're doing is amazing. And, and you had a good 
piece on Monday about how Marner sees and where it ranks in uh, in Leafs history, and it's one of the is it the best scoring season in, it is. in modern Leafs Leafs history if you adjust yeah. for the eras. I was surprised it was ahead of the, Gil- the Gilmore year, but the Gilmore year I went and looked it up. It was ninety two ninety three. It was very high scoring that year. It was a very very like that was still. I know we always talk about the eighties being high scoring, but there were some years there, the beginning of the nineties where it was still like over seven goals a game and the goalies weren't very good. And so it, it's surprising that, and I, the other thing that the other caveat to, is that we have to include is that, you know, Martin's only played, what was he played 52, 53 games. Like it's, it's not the same. Like we don't know that he would have maintained this over 82. Sure. No, there was probably going to be some regression for some of these guys on this list. To answer your question, Whereas Gilmore did it yeah, over, the, over a full season. Well, to answer your question, it's tough yeah. to it's tough in this particular season when you can't actually go into the dressing room and talk to a bunch of players and talk to the player. Um, most of what we're getting to do is is over Zoom. Yeah. That, that just inevitably is going to make it more difficult to write about. Um, but that's why I think it's good to remind everyone, and even with Matthews, like it, I think it's good to keep reminding people that this is not normal. Like I know it seems normal because he, he's doing it so frequently, but it's not normal to score like this. Like he has 39 goals in 48 games. Like it's, it's nuts. And that includes James, like a month where he couldn't shoot the puck. Like imagine if he didn't have that wrist injury, like what his numbers, like I think he'd be challenging for 50 goals. This is projecting a little bit, but like, let's say next year we go back to normal um, in the world and it's an 82 game season where you're playing every other team and they're back in the Atlantic. What's like a fair goal total to expect for Matthews next year? You're assuming good health. 50 to 55, 55, 50. Yeah. Somewhere I in think, that ballpark. I think 55 is kind of going to be his, his natural resting point And he will have some seasons where he's over 60. I mean, if he can do this over a, a whole year in a regular season against every team, <laughs> then, then I think you know, like if he had if he had sixty seven goals, what's the, who's the last player who's got sixty seven goals? It's like Mario Lemieux, isn't it? Ovechkin has never done it. No, Stamkos had sixty that one year. Like getting sixty now is like getting what getting eighty used to be or something. Like getting sixty now is. Or maybe that's too far. I remember Ovechkin uh, had sixty five, James. Yeah. But I'm saying, that's what I'm saying no one's had like 67, 68, like what Matthews is on pace for now. Like imagine he can crack past that 65 number and do it without, you know, I don't know how many Ovechkin had in the power play that year, but it was a lot. Um, it was 22. The last person, yeah. I think the last person to have more than 65, I think was Mario like way back when. I actually, I remember watching uh, when Brett Hall had his monster years. I would have been, I don't know. I would have been, what year was that where he had the 86 goals? I would have been probably like 14 years old or something like that. It was just like, that was incredible. And the chemistry that he had, uh, you know, with his line mates was, was unbelievable. Um, the Oates, Adam Oates, like just, he was, Adam Oates was like one of the best passers of all time. And Hull obviously had that shot and they seemed yeah. like they were unstoppable unstoppable it felt like he had like five hat tricks that year or something like he just was like filling the net all the time do you have that in front of you what year was that it, uh, I'm, I'm reluctant to pull up hockey db because the last time i did that when we were on here it started playing a bunch of ads 
So the last time someone scored 67 goals was Mario Lemieux had, oh my God, 69 goals in 70 games. Well, you talk about doing it with where you can't shoot. Mario Lemieux was like, he had like major back problems and was like missing big chunks of the season and still scoring. And he would get like six points in a game when he then his first game back and stuff like that. It was just, it was completely bananas. All right. So Red Hall had 86 goals in 78 games and that was in 91. So I would have been 10 or 11. So, but I do remember that. I do remember that. I, I'm pretty sure I think he played with Oates both those years. He had, he had good chemistry with, Oh, Brendan Shanahan was one of the, one of the linemates that year. Brendan Shanahan, 91, 92. But Craig Janney, I think he played some with Craig Janney too. And they had really good chemistry. But that that early nineties period of hockey I have I have crystallized in my mind as like that's like that's like when I remember hockey and I don't know if it like it's purest form or something like that. You know, like you know, when you're at that age when you're like between like eight and fifteen, some of the things that happen, you remember them in like a very kind of idyllic light. And that's the way that, that hockey was back then. Well, it's absolutely that way with music, right? Like anything you listen to at that age, like kind of sticks with you, I think throughout your life. Um, I want you to throw me an an album that stuck with you from when you, when you were 14 or 13 or something. I believe the first albums I bought were Oasis. What's the story? Morning Glory, which is good. And Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, which is also really good. Okay, cool. So that's like mid nineties then. Yeah, and then my taste kind of evolved and got broader, deeper. Anyway. Oasis um, is... I got a lot of time for Oasis. Yeah, interesting band. Interesting personalities. Um, Chemistry, James. Chemistry matters. When you start playing guitar and you... Some of the Oasis songs are some of the early ones you can learn. And again, to profound respect. Like, I wouldn't always listen to Oasis, but you start learning, like, the musicality of it. And it's... Like Wonderwall. And- Don't look back in anger. Champagne Supernova. The tough thing with Oasis, James, though, is like it's it's it can get like it's tough to listen to all, over a long stretch because like it, it kind of ends up sounding the same. Like I like Oasis, but when you listen to an album after a few songs, you're like, OK, I've had enough. Let's try something else. Um, Wonderwall is a brilliant, brilliant yes. song, though. It's probably one of the better songs of the 90s. We should do a comprehensive list. That would be fun. <laughs> that can be one of our bonus episodes you can hear us talk like about it. music you know, so when we talk about stuff that's not hockey sometimes people complain and, and other people say they love it so I don't know it's like kind of like do we talk more about Matthews and Marner or are we talking about them too much I don't know alright well I think we should um, use this time to get to our quote of the week can I answer my phone? is that what you're saying? saying you're, is that what you're saying? is that what you're saying? Okay. Well, yeah he was just screaming in my ear so <laughs> How to kind of start singing along with him, but uh, you know, he's a big fan of that song. He plays it in the car sometimes, so uh, you know, he, he is a big Mon Jovi guy. Uh, and this is Morgan Riley discussing Austin Matthews. He's the ultimate superstar. Um, the way that he works, the way that he plays. You watch what he does for our team. You know, with the puck, without the puck. Uh, I mean, he's a special player, and you know, we're a bit spoiled. We're just used to seeing it, um, but he's certainly been putting on display lately, and. I mean, we're just very proud of him and how he's playing. So obviously he's right. He is the, the ultimate superstar. That's a nice, nice tag. Um, I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about uh, Matthews and Marner, even though we, we probably could. We definitely could. Uh, we should get into the Nick Foligno injury 
weird that they 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 said it was upper body. That catch you off guard like it caught me off guard. Think they would pick it up. I don't. I feel like they wouldn't make it up. I feel like they wouldn't. Maybe it was like a mid body, and then you could call it one or the other, and they just kind of. Maybe it was like a core thing. Or yeah, something. like the way he kind of stopped up made me think it was like groin, um, or maybe it's like hip. Maybe it was like an ab. Maybe it was like an abdominal tear in there. Just like yeah, I just call it upper <laughs> body. Where where does the mid? Where does the lower body and the upper body end? Like there's never any mid body injuries. Like where does well, it, the the what bone is connected to the hip bone or whatever? Remember that song when you were a kid? No. I'm just saying, like, if you get hurt, like, if your hip is hurt, is that a lower body or an upper body? Could be either. Whatever you want. Um, choose your own, uh, choose your own adventure. Yeah. Um, but obviously, we, so we don't know the, the, the significance, but that would be a difficult loss. The, the good news for the Leafs is, is Zach Hyman is probably coming back soon-ish. Um, he still has a practice with the team, but he's been skating. Um, so it's, it's hard to really speculate too much, but... I don't know. What do, what do you think of Felino potentially being out? Did you like my pun the other day when you tweeted the Leafs are 4-0 with Felino since they acquired him? And I said, Nick Feline, yes. I didn't see that. I would have rolled my eyes. You didn't see it? No. Oh, it got a lot of attention. <laughs> Bruce Arthur said something. I don't know. There were a lot of people that were sending me gifts. Of th- I think Bruce Arthur had one of a bunch of people throwing pies at someone or something. So it was. That sounds about right. It definitely... <laughs> uh, I can't believe you missed it I'm glad I brought it up because now you know about it Nick Feline yes I feel scored yeah. <laughs> yeah I think some of my brain cells die every time I tweet one of those so you can imagine where I'm at now after doing it for several years um, I actually find the puns are like a safe space on Twitter like no one no one, no one, really can insult you for them because they're intended to be bad. You know, the trolls say, oh, that's awful. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. That's true. Um, it's hard to, because we don't know how serious this is. You know, the Leafs are off today, which is Tuesday. We're not getting an update on Fuego unless we go on a deep dive and start bugging a whole bunch of people for an injury update. Um, but, the, you know, the, we'll see if he's at practice tomorrow and we'll see, uh, we'll get an update on Fuego you know, it could be one of those things you just tweak something and it's not that bad, but just kind of the way he was moving coming off the ice, it did not look great. Um, the good news is it, it's almost like the Leafs have one extra forward right now. Like, you know, we've been debating who comes out of the lineup. Uh, and if someone is hurt going into the playoffs, that kind of, as long as Riley Nash is ready to go, that debate becomes significantly lessened. I mean, obviously you don't want to lose Foligno. You gave up a first round pick for him. Like it was a, it's a, a, a a very high investment they made in him. And if they don't have him for the playoffs, that's problematic. But it didn't look like to me that that would be the kind of injury that's going to keep him out for weeks. And and he's the kind of player too, that if he can play hurt and he's going to in the playoffs. I started to think that um, maybe it, again, like it's so tough to know because it, it could be, he could be fine. Like he could be um, okay, but like we can circle around to the, the bottom of the lineup, like the way it was trending to me and who knows, like Sheldon Keefe can go in any different direction. The way it was trending for me is like that Alex Galchenyuk was probably the guy who was going to come out. Probably like, maybe not like maybe he played so well down the stretch that they, they couldn't make that decision. But the way it was shaping up was like, he felt like the guy who inevitably comes out when everybody's healthy. But of course, everyone's not always healthy. 
I don't know. I mean, like this is a, so I saw what we were talking about on the sked today, and Felino was number two, and I said, like, well, I don't even, I don't really know what to say because like we don't know. Like he might just be at practice tomorrow, and and like talk to the media and be like, I'm fine. I just like whatever, tweet something. Um, yep. I don't think it's I don't think it's that dire if they're missing one forward and Bogosian for the start of the playoffs. I mean, like they should. This was why they went and acquired all the depth that they did. You know, this this was this was the thought was that they're going to run into some injuries, so they should still be able to get over the first round, even if they're missing two or three guys. Certainly, if they're not, you know, they're, they're star players. They should still be able to win. So. That's my take on that. I was going to say, have you seen the Mandalorian, the show on Disney Plus? Okay, so James, I got a confession. I tried You're to watch Star it. Wars guy. No, I, I just don't think those that stuff is for me. I re, I respect it. I just it's I don't think it's for me. I'd love it for be to be for me. I I don't think it's for me. I I don't think sci fi is my thing. So you're, you're, you're not going to be watching WandaVision and uh, I'll try uh, that. What's the one with the Winter Soldier? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Some of my younger colleagues are are really, are really into those shows. Um, Mandalorian, like I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy. Like I, I appreciate it. And I thought Mandalorian was fine. I was just going to say there's one character who it's who's voiced by Nick Nolte, who has a great catchphrase that I love that I'm going to start using on the podcast. He says, I have spoken. You know, whatever he's saying, then that's that's then the scene ends. He just says, you know, this is how it is, basically. I think in your boss duties at the athletic, that's what you should say and just end the conversation. I have spoken and then hang up. <laughs> it's like this little like haggard dude that Nick Nolte voices with his like, it, it, and he and he's like he's like wise and he's seen everything and yeah, he just decided it's it's kind of like you know dealing with your boss at work and yeah. I don't know if I'm going to use it, but I could I could uh, picture some of the bosses I've had previously in my life saying I have spoken. Or it's like, you know, like when you're like your parent just gets like fed up and you ask them like, well, why? Like, why is it like that? Like, why do I have to do that? And they're just like, that's just what I decided. <laughs> that's just how it is. Remember, it used to make me so bad when I was like 13 years old or whatever. My dad would just be like, that's just, I just decided that's how it is. That, I'm the boss. That's what I have spoken to. <laughs> yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Goaltending situation is interesting still. Jack Campbell has kind of righted himself. Not kind of. He's righted himself. Uh, He looks good again. Um, Frederick Anderson. Jack Campbell, Jonas. You're not making any friends in the fan base hating on Jack Campbell. I'm not hating on Jack Campbell. I can't believe you got to get on the, the Campbell train. I think he's played really well. My skepticism, I think, is is. I think it's fair. He just hasn't, he hasn't done it for that long. Like I'm, I'm remaining skeptical until I see it over a long stretch. Soup is on. Soup is starting in the playoffs and ride or die with, with Mr. Campbell and net. I mean, 
the, the thing that does give me a little bit of confidence in him is that he played fairly well for the Kings when he had a, a run of games, you know, so career now he's up to 83 games with a 918 save percentage. It's hard to really read a lot into that given it's spread over four seasons, but it's not like Jack Campbell had done nothing before coming to the Leafs. Mm-hmm. And he's got the pedigree too. He had a limited track record before he came to the Leafs. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. But he's their best bet they got. I mean, it's not only it's debatable at all that he's their best bet. To me, what's interesting about him, James, and and I'm going to be interested to see down the stretch and obviously into the playoffs. How does he respond when he doesn't have a good game? Because that's that's been his. He hasn't had many bad games this year, but when he has, like, it's kind of he he gets really hard on himself, and that kind of snowballs into he plays worse. And I, I'm curious to see how he handles that in the playoffs. Like if they play, it so- yeah, cool. it, it sounds like the the coaching staff and the players and stuff have really made it an emphasis to, you know, they they see how hard he is on himself, and they've talked about it, and Sheldon Keith's talked about it, and you know, there was some sort of conversation between. Again, this goes back to if we had access, we could talk to Campbell a little bit more and learn more about this. But there was some sort of conversation between. Keith and potentially even Dubas and Campbell and just being like, don't like you, you don't beat yourself up so much. Like, you know, it's, I think Keith said, you know, it's a long season. There's lots of games, there's ups and downs. You got to ride the wave, you know, a little bit more. I'm paraphrasing. You got to ride the wave a little bit better than he was. You know, he went like 11 and Oh, and then he lost two games or three games and didn't play well. And he was just like talking like he was going to be kicked out of the league. And it's a hard way to live. And that's kind of been Jack Campbell's track record, you know, going way back to when he was a, a young goalie. And, um, you know, I think the Leafs identified that really quickly and jumped on it. And and, uh, and since that point, since Sheldon Keefe talked about having that conversation with him, he's, he's played well again. Actually, no, that's not true. <laughs> he actually, what, what that was after the game he got pulled in Winnipeg. Remember that, that or not in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. you you actually spotted that I made this mistake. I'm not saying he played well in every game, Jonas. I'm saying he's 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 put in some pretty good performances since that point, since they had that conversation about, you know, riding the wave a little bit more. Okay. I mean, the, the guy's 15-2-2 two and two, right, with a 925 save percentage. How hard are we supposed to be on him right now? It, it's kind of ridiculous to me, like, that. You voted him the most overrated player on the team. Hey, let's let's correct the record on that. I thought we were just talking. Yeah. I w- we were talking you and I on Slack. Like you asked me a random question, and I just responded what came to mind. That's what came to mind. Wins, yeah, wins. And now it's been published, and now like yeah. fifty thousand people have read it on the. That's fine. Athletic.com, <laughs> the latest Myrtle mailbag. I stabbed Jonas in the back. I should I sue you for. I think it's. I think it's fair. Um, I, there are not many players that I think have been overrated, and. I just think it, it kind of got out of control a little bit. Um, wins are uh, an interesting stat for a goalie. They can mean a lot. They can move. They can mean less. Um, but anyway, like he's played well. Like I can't, I'm not saying he hasn't played well, but whose season has been probably overrated a bit. It's, it's to me, it's probably Jack Campbell, but um, I just wonder James, like how we, how he responds when the pressure is really high and like you could even hear him after the game on Monday night um, on that, the gate, the goal that tied it, he said, I'm going to try not to overthink it. And like, that's going to be, that's the rub. And obviously we should briefly talk about Frederick Anderson, who I think is going to play games soon. I can see them using both goalies in the playoffs. Now 
maybe it's just a back-to-back and Campbell plays the first one and Anderson plays the next one and then Campbell's back in. Um, but I don't think we can say that it's settled for good for the season. It's settled for now, I think, is is probably the right you way to what, look at Josh, it. Josh, I, I have a hunch, and I, no one in the organization has said this. I have no back channel saying this. I have a hunch that the Leafs are have lost most of their confidence in Frederick Anderson. And that, that's what I think. What, what did our friend Mike Babcock say? What's true today isn't always true tomorrow. Yeah, but how is he going to me that applies. How is he? He has a oh, shutout in his oh, first game. I don't know. Like it doesn't. It doesn't take that much. You you would have to play really really well. I don't know what kind of opportunity he's going to get here. There's been a lot of talk about a conditioning stint with the Marlies. I mean, he goes to the Marlies and plays really well. I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, it doesn't tell you anything. It it just tells you that he's going to get another shot. The combined impact of going back to that game seven against Boston in 2019, his struggles last year, his. Struggles this year, obviously injury related to some extent. I don't think Frederick Anderson is going to be back. I don't think they're going to re-sign him. I don't think that he's going to play a lot in the playoffs unless Campbell really falls apart. That that that's the wild card. But failing that, I think that Jack Campbell is the number one goalie of the Leafs right now, and I think he's going to play the vast majority of the games the rest of the way. Listen, James. Like no one was more critical. Yeah, that's a that's a hot take ish sort of. No one was more critical of, of some of the goals that he let in in the playoffs than, than you or I in the offseason. Both of you, both you and I felt that they needed to move on from Frederick Anderson. But to just close the book on him entirely to me is, is foolish. Like just shit can happen. Like he he could take over in the playoffs. He could lead them to a cup and then he's resigning. Like it's not it, it doesn't seem likely at this point. It's not impossible. Like I'm not. I'm just not ready to close out the possibility that he comes back and plays well. It doesn't feel likely again, but he's out of time. He's out of time. He's not out of time. He is not out of time, my friend. He is not. How's he going to come back? How is it? Do you you want me to paint you the scenario how this happens? Yeah, it's going to be a very unlikely. No, it's not. It's really not, James. Like, let's let's look at the let's. Put it, pull out our crystal ball and look ahead to the playoffs. Game one. You're going to say like four things. No. Probably game one, let's first. say Jack Campbell gives up three goals. He's a little shaky. They win. Game two, he, he gives up four or five or whatever. He looks really shaky. They change to Frederick Anderson. They win the next game. They win the next game. They win the series. He's the number one again. Like that's that's not that crazy, James. Like you're... To me, you're 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 on the hyperbole train. No, I'm just thinking in terms of like probability. I think the chance of that happening is like relatively low. Why? I think that that's like a ten or ten or fifteen percent chance. Okay. Well, because you need Campbell to have two bad games in the playoffs. That's and then you that's need improbable. Anderson to have one or two. Good, then you need Anderson to have one or two good games on the heels of those bad games. Yeah, that sounds so you, unlikely. You're starting to get. It doesn't sound. I don't. Maybe I'm crazy. This does not well, sound it, unlikely to me. It's. It's, it's unlikely to the degree, degree of it being 10 or 15% chance that it's going to happen. Okay. You may be right. Because I think what the most likely thing, the most likely thing to happen is that Campbell's fine. And they, they either, I mean, they're probably going to win in the first round. I mean, they should. They're, they're going to be the favorite. And if Campbell's fine, he's just going to keep playing games. It'd be interesting to see the playoff schedule and see how many uh, back-to-backs and, and what the... Um, what, 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 if that, like, that'll factor in. Like, if the schedule is very condensed as the NHL tries to cram it in, especially for the North Division, which has obviously been pushed back because of what happened to the Canucks, yep. 
you might need your second goalie in the playoffs a lot more than, than you typically do if, if there's a lot of back-to-backs. Okay, here's another scenario. Campbell plays okay in game one. Anderson comes in on the second half of the back-to-back. Shutout. Awesome performance. Who starts game three? Like, you just don't know. Like, I'm I'm giving full credit to Jack Campbell. He's played great. He's taken his opportunity. He told us in the offseason, like, when we had him on the pod, that he wanted to be a number one. It was his goal. He is taking his opportunity and running with it and deserves all the credit. But to, to, to declare this over and done with, to me, is is unwise. I'm not saying that. I just, I think it's very likely that he starts the majority of the remaining, remaining games. Way too strong. Way too strong a take for me. All right. Is it likely then instead of very likely? It's like, it's like 55%. How is it not? It's likelier than not. There's no way it's 55%. Okay. No, we'll see. It's not 55%. (laughs) What is it? There's no chance. How many times? I think the, I think the organization, I think it's not a coin flip, whether or not Campbell or Anderson plays. I think it's very close to a coin flip. Okay. Anderson hasn't played. He hasn't played in two months. And he was bad. <laughs> the goalie thing is going to be fascinating if Campbell falters because I, I don't have a lot of confidence in Anderson, and I'm not sure the team does either. I mean, they're going to say they do, but shit can change, my friend. Do we have do we have something else on the, uh, the schedule yeah. here, or should we get to some questions? I wanted to talk about Sandine, but I kind of feel like he'll come up in the questions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, you have control. You don't like it when I get control, do you? It, make, it makes you concerned. No, I don't care. <laughs> you just make a big deal of it every time when I take the wheel. Maybe, maybe I'll steer us into the ditch this time. You're like the Noel Gallagher of the band. You, start, Noel shaking the, like, the, which? you, you start shaking like, I think Liam's the one that's off the rock. The crazy one? There. Okay. So you're Liam. Perry who I believe is based in Australia because I get lots, lots of questions from him. The Leafs have some fans kind of in far-flung places. You know, I get tweets from people in the middle of the night who are in Thailand, Australia, New Zealand, UK. And you can see when we put our stories up in the middle of the night, there's people reading in other places. It's pretty interesting. Uh, Perry wants to know which U.S. city has the most Leafs fans i.e. where should the team choose to play if they make it to the third round? So the Leafs have to, let's say they can't play the third and fourth round of the playoffs in Toronto. I think they're going to push for them to be able to play it here. Uh, they're going to push the government to give them an exception because they do not want to uh, be kind of a, a homeless team. And they're hoping that, you know, and then we all hope that the, you know, the cases, the COVID cases are, are down by then that they can do that. What do you think though? Like if, if you had to pick a city based on where there are the most Leafs fans, you and I have been, I've been to almost every U.S. city. You have been to every U.S. NHL city. There's only one or two that I haven't been to. Where do you think there are the most Leafs fans? I mean, we see a lot of Leafs fans in the Florida cities, but those are, that's probably the answer, right? Because the snowbirds who live down there all the time. 
I was going to say Tampa. And obviously, like, you have the connection with the Raptors this year. I mean, you, you've you seen it. Like, when you walk to the rink from the hotel, which is, like, basically across the street, it's just crowded with fans. Like, they're all over the place. And obviously, given the dynamics already. How many of those are people traveling down for the game? I think a healthy number. Yeah. But so, like, this would need to be people that actually live in the city, right? Because people probably aren't going to be able to travel down for those games. Like, if the border's still closed and everything? Yeah. The, I mean, Buffalo. The, the tough one, James, is, like, let's say it was Tampa. Like, they could be playing Tampa. Like, Yeah. So, that's tough. That Maybe work. Buffalo. That doesn't work. Apparently, the, the goal is going to be to put them somewhere that's relatively close to the team that they're playing. And the rumors I've heard, potential spots for the Leafs could be, um, or, or the whatever team comes out of the Canada division, I've heard Nashville and I've heard Columbus, kind of like a centrally located place. Not a lot wow. of Leafs fans in those, in those places. No. Some country music stars are Canadian and they cheer for the Leafs. I know that. I don't know much about country music. Got to be honest. That's a blind spot. Well, I just know there are some Canadians down there. Like if you want to make it in country music, you go to Nashville and there's some Canadians who are, you know, in that scene down there. They're like waitressing. You know, like L.A., you go there and you're a, you're a, a waitress or a waiter and you're trying to make it as an actor. In Nashville, you do it, and you're trying to make it as a country music star. Nashville's a cool place. I'd like, like to in live. Swingers? I don't remember Swingers. Is that what they were? They were they waiters trying to be actors? They were at, trying to be actors. I don't think they were waiters. You don't remember Swingers? Vince Vaughn, John Favreau. I've seen it, but I don't. Vegas, baby. A long time ago. Yeah. Well, maybe I got to revisit that one. Uh, yeah, you should. All right. Next question. <laughs> The Shanty Plan wants to know which team do you think the Leafs will have the hardest time with in the playoffs, and why is it the Habs? <laughs> so, I think it. I mean, Leafs fans are a little bit nervous about playing Montreal. You know, the games have been pretty close. You know, I think there's going to be lots of two-one and three-two games. Uh, I think the Leafs would beat Montreal in a playoff series, but I don't think it's going to be. I don't think they're going to. They're going to hammer them. So it's. Uh, it'd be kind of a good test for the Leafs to go in as the. So I like to call it the overdog and uh, and find a way to win. What do you think? To me, it feels a little different this year. Like, I think if it was last year and they faced Montreal, I think I could see the same thing happening as what happened with, with Columbus. To me, the, I think they're they're a lot better than, than Montreal. I don't think that they would have that much problem. Well, it looks like it could be Winnipeg now because the Jets are just completely falling apart. Like, what have they, have they lost eight games in a row or like, I haven't been watching the Jets games, I'll confess, but they're just getting they're getting hammered all the time here. Yeah, they lost on Monday to Ottawa. It's it's tough times there. They lost seven in a row. But but Winnipeg, I think, is a, is an okay matchup for the Leafs too. Like they seem to handle Winnipeg fairly okay. It's funny, you know, the Leafs are stomping Edmonton when they play them, but then Edmonton stomps Winnipeg when they play them. Like, there's this weird kind of. I don't know if that's just a randomness or if there's like something more to that. They should beat anyone they play. That's the as simple as I think we can make it. There's no one better than them in this division. Can they lose? Absolutely. Should they lose? No. But it's sports. It's so funny how much is going to hang on that in terms of like the narrative of like, you know, what's wrong with the Leafs if they lose like one or two close games. Whereas if I was thinking last night, even watching the game, you know, Tavares hits the post in overtime. Yeah. Like that could have ended the game. And, and then we'd be talking about you know, you read the comments on the report cards from last night, and it's like they're very negative because they lost that game, but they very easily could have won that game. And everyone would be talking about, you know, Tavares' turnaround and and those kinds of things. 
So, um, Jobo Cop would like to know, Jonas, previous playoff difficulties arose from Matthews and Marner getting tightly checked. What might be different this year? I don't know that Matthews and Marner not being able to score was the number one. I mean, I guess that Columbus really did kind of shut down all of the Leafs offense. So maybe that's a fair comment. What do you think is different this year? I mean, it's they're on another level for one. The rest of the team is better. They're better defensively and they're hoping to get better goaltending. I mean, I guess that's what could be different. I think that's exactly it. I think like Matthews and Marner are just better than they were last year. I, like, I think Matthews had a good playoffs last year. I don't think Marner had a great playoffs. I don't think Tavares had a great playoffs. I don't think Neilander had a great playoffs. I, I think Neilander feels different to me this year. Like he just feels he's 25 now. He just feels older, more, I don't know. There's a, a, a different feeling to me around him. And obviously I've been running the fan club for a, a few years now. Um, but he's the one I think is going to be really interesting to watch in the playoffs. And obviously the guy who's under the most pressure among that group in the, in the postseason will be Tavares and whether he can kind of keep up this, this second half or second, whatever run that he's been on. But defensively, like you point out, like, look at their, you and I've talked about it a bunch. Like look at their defense in in the playoffs last year. Like, it's just, you can't really compare like they're playing Cody Cece with Morgan Riley. That's TJ Brody. Now that's, that's a big upgrade. They really should have added another defenseman last year. Shouldn't they? Yes. Well, they they had an opportunity and did not. They should have traded Barry in mid season and added someone more defensively minded. They would have been in a much better position. Or they could have just signed Zach Bogosian who would have come here. But anyway, Okay, you wanted to talk about Sandine. Anthony Guzzo also wants to talk about Sandine. How do you think Sandine looked on the power play last night? He looked so comfortable in all three zones. It's going to be hard to remove him come game one. Dermot has looked really good too. Good problem to have, but Bogosian might have a tough time getting back in the lineup. Well, Bogosian's not going to be healthy for game one. So they, they, I've seen some people saying this on social media. Bogosian's not going to be ready. I don't know if he's going to be able to play in the first round. So, you know, the... I, I don't know how many minutes, how many minutes did Sandy get last night? Do you know off the top of your head? I think it's like 14 or 15. Today. But I mean, you can see Keith using him in some different situations because they're going to have to rely on him in the playoffs. And if there's another injury, they're going to have to rely on him more than just to be a depth guy. 16 minutes, almost 16 minutes, 15, 48. And I have like Dermot, you know, Dermot's played a lot quieter game this year. You've noticed him a lot less. I think he's been better defensively this year than I recall in the past. Um, so like a Sandine Dermott third pair, I, I don't have any problem with that. Well, that's what it's going to be if, if Bogosian isn't healthy. When Bogosian comes back and is ready to play, that's when it gets a little bit more interesting. If I'm choosing between the two, like today, it's Sandine. Like he's just, he can do more than Dermott can. I, it, to me, it's just like, I don't even think it's that crazy. Yeah. If Bogosian's back in the start of the second round, I mean, there could be someone else hurt by then. Right. So like, yep. You know, it's the same with Felino. There's no point in like Galaxy bringing this and thinking too deeply about it when, you know. All right, what do we got here? Uh, the Habs are now, who's this? Quadrini, the Neanderthal. So if you say you're a Neanderthal, that means you like Neander, right? Correct. Because I think of I think of a Neanderthal as uh, as being dumb. But if you're a Neanderthal, you just like Neander. I, okay, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm in with the kids now. Uh, Quadrini wants to know, with the Habs now tied in points with the Jets, 
who do you want to finish fourth and be the Leafs' first round opponent? Who would you pick, Jonas, if you could pick today for the Leafs to face either Montreal or Winnipeg? Well, for their sake or for like what I'd like to watch? Playoffs start tomorrow. You're Kyle Dubas. Who would you pick to face? Montreal. See, I pick Winnipeg. Again, you're you're a recency bias case study. No, oh, some some like they look terrible. They look terrible. Yeah. Like they look yeah. like they're coming complete disarray disarray right now. They have no confidence. Paul Maurice's yeah. jobs on the line here. Yeah. They're they're in trouble. I mean, for for my for like watching the series, I'd rather see Winnipeg. I think that'd be like the games against Winnipeg between the Leafs and the Jets are have been great. Like right. they're just yeah. Although Montreal, a lot of the, the Montreal games have been good, but they've been more defensively oriented. And would you yes. think of Montreal playing the overtime so conservatively when Matthews and Marner were out there? I thought that was very interesting. I think it's smart. I mean, they're not going to be able to game break on the ability or on the level of those guys. So it's like you used to love this when Randy Carlisle would put out J Mac to start the to start overtime. <laughs> Even yeah. though they had Kessel. That's the definition of galaxy braining it. I mean, in Carlisle's defense, they did not They did not have a very good roster. So, like, you look back at some of those teams, it's like, man, like, well, they, they didn't have, have enough good players. Kessel and Van Riemsdijk. Yeah, and, I know. But they didn't have, one. like, good two-way players. Like, they didn't – when they were, they would run into injuries, and it's like, who's playing center for this team? Like, remember that one year when Owen got hurt and they had no centers and they had to trade for Peter Holland and – all of a sudden, he was like their second line center, even though he was like barely playing in the NHL. And yes. Well, James, like if they had a better record in overtime, they'd be pushing for first overall. Like overtime is kind of a shit show, crap shoot. Um, but they're like, what is it, five yeah, and six in like overtime? It, like Sheldon hates Sheldon it. Keith kind of craps on, yeah, on the overtime. I, I hear him. I don't know if fans have heard that, but he's like, this is just, the overtime's just like whatever. It's like, flipping coins at center ice or whatever. All right. One more. And then you got to quickly tell me about your movie recommendation or do you want to do that now? We don't have a ton of time. Uh, we got time. Don't listen to the producer. He's putting poison in your ear. I want to ask you one more. I am searching, but there's a lot of questions. Um, Someone's asking about Elliot Friedman's report about Scott Pellerin leaving the player development staff. We are working on a story on that. We'll hopefully have something in the next couple of days. Uh, why is the... Okay, here. Uh, Bertuzzi Naslin scores. would like to know, why is the penalty kill so bad, and will it cost them the series if they play the Oilers? It's interesting. Sheldon Keefe has been saying he doesn't think the penalty kill is that bad. He thinks that you know the goaltending has struggled when they're on the penalty kill, and he's actually okay with how the penalty kill is played. Your thoughts, Jonas Siegel. The numbers kind of back it up. They have the worst goaltending on the penalty kill in the league. Um, and there was just a stretch there where Anderson was giving up goals that weren't even chances. Like it was just like point shots floating in that beat him. Like he's, I looked this up cause it was in my Monday story, like 50 of the 56 goalies who played like a healthy chunk of penalty kill. He's 55. He just couldn't. He just couldn't stop anything. Jack Campbell's fourth. You're starting goalie. Yep. Uh, so the movie I watched, I actually watched it twice. Wow. 
So I do not do that very often. You know how you do it when you do a digital rental now, you get it for 48 hours. I actually watched it twice in the 48 hours. Okay. It was the, you probably haven't seen it. So this is going to be like the worst conversation ever. We've built up to this so much and you're going to be like, I haven't seen that movie. Uh, it's the new Christopher Nolan one, Tenet. Have you seen that? I have not seen that. I'm waiting to see that. I'm, I'm, it kind of feels like it's going to be like Inception or one of those. It's Did like you see Inception? Inception? Yes. Yes. It's Inception, but more confusing. <laughs> or Shutter Island. It was like the same kind of thing. I'm not sure. Not. It didn't get, it, it, it didn't get the best reviews from what I can recall. It's, it's had like 80%, I think on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it would be cool to see in the theater because like the music and like this, this, it won uh, the Academy Award for best special effects. It would like the special effects are really cool. It's, 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 there's like time travel that happens in it. And like, people are moving like, like they're in backwards land. And like, it's, it's very interesting. I, I liked it. I liked it. I would give it a good review. I thought it was, but it, it's very confusing. You almost have to like watch it, read some articles about it and then watch it again. And, and you get more out of it. And I don't mind a movie like that. I actually, I would rather watch a movie that kind of challenges you like that. Um, so I recommend two thumbs up from me for tenant wow. and uh, donors should rent it and watch it. And show, so should all of our listeners and um, let us know what you thought of tenant in, in, in the comments. Okay. That's a nice, uh, that's a nice recommendation. It, it got 70% and Rotten Tomatoes, 76% from the audience. So take that for what it's worth. I li- like John David Washington's an awesome actor. So I'm happy to watch that. So, I, I didn't know a lot about him. I hadn't, I haven't actually seen him in anything else. And I was, I watched like the first half hour of the movie or whatever. And I was like, I was just like, Oh, I'll look him up. I didn't, I didn't even know he was Denzel Washington's kid. And that's going to make me sound ridiculous. I know, but I, I didn't, well, I didn't especially if you that. hear him talk, like he sounds exactly yes. like Denzel. Yes. Well, then, then I couldn't like, so that I found that out like 30 minutes into the movie. And I was like, Oh my God, like I can't, he's just, he, he's so much like his dad, so much like him. So, but he was excellent. Yes. He is so good in that movie. He is so okay. good. And uh, Kenneth Branagh is the bad guy. And he's, I don't know if you, I, I, I'm a big fan of Kenneth Branagh, like going back to like some of the stuff he did in the nineties. And he is, he is fantastic as the bad guy. He's so good. Kenneth Branagh. All right. Oh, boy. I like that don't, recommendation. Don't I, w- no, I will watch this Chris. soon. Kenneth Branagh is a very, very famous actor. So don't, uh, Oh yes, and, I know. And, uh, the, other, the other guy in that movie is um, uh, Patterson, Robert Patterson, the the new Batman is in it. He's like the sidekick for for Washington, and he's fantastic too. So um, the new Batman, <laughs> he's sort of known for other things. I know he's the new Batman. I actually haven't seen him in very many things, but, I, but I'm excited to see him as the new Batman. He's he's excellent. Uh, uh, Michael Caine's in it briefly. Lot um, is really good. Like the acting's really good. It's just the movie's very confusing. So I, the negative reviews, if you look at them, they're all like, this is too confusing. That's like saying Trent Reznor, the guy from who did the Facebook music. <laughs> it's like, you're missing, you're missing the point. Anyway, we got to go. By saying it's too confusing? No, by saying that Robin, Robert Pattinson from who's going to be the next Batman, he's, he's sort of known for, I don't know if you've heard of those Twilight movies. That's sort of where his claim to fame is. Yeah, I, haven't Re- seen, I haven't seen that shit before. He's, 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 Patterson has ascended to the star status of being Batman. Like that's a, that's a pretty big deal. What else has he been in other than Twilight? Oh, he's been in lots of things. He's been in some okay stuff. He's, he's okay. 
All right, we got to go. He's, he's very good in tennis. He's very good in tennis. All right. If you're not subscribed, theathletic.com slash leaf report. Our producer is yelling at us because I've dragged this conversation well past our deadline. So thank you to him. Thank you to everybody for listening. Continue to stay safe. The summer is almost here. No more gray days. Sunny times await, James. We will talk next week. 